is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 37 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hello, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and welcome to the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm here every week from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. Look forward to doing this show with you each and every week as we talk about the mental side of sports. I've been doing a lot of reflection this past week because I will beginning, be beginning my 38th year on radio, 38th year practicing as a psychologist this week, and I'm looking forward to another year. I started working as a sports psychologist in 1981, and it's been a privilege to have worked with so many people over the years. 38 years of conversations, discussions, and the time I've spent on the radio now has been enjoyable, and I'm looking forward to many more years on the radio. And, you know, this show, which I've been doing for quite a while, is about you. It's about mindsets. It's about attitudes. It's about sportsmanship. It's about understanding what makes people tick successfully or unsuccessfully. I've had the privilege of work with the Olympic team, with professional teams, with collegiate teams, high school teams. I give talks all over about these topics and look forward to this show every week because on this show, we delve into your mind, the mind of athletes, coaches, fans, referees, competitors, parents, and we talk about what it takes to succeed, what does it take to fail, what are the ups and downs that go on. And today, I thought we could get into this whole issue of leadership and success and failure. What makes a winner? What makes a loser? As we're entering the 2018-19 school year, I've been working with a number of high school athletes who are starting their fall seasons. Practices have been going on for a couple of weeks now. And it's been very interesting as several of the people who've come in have been coming in talking about their coaches. Talking about how their coaches have been derogatory, yelling, screaming, cursing at practice. And these aren't just football players. These are girls' high school volleyball players. Even cross-country coaches. It's been very interesting 
to hear the stories from these young people of coaches basically losing it at practice because they don't think the effort is there. They don't think the focus is there. So I thought we could get into the whole topic of leadership today on the show. What are the qualities of a successful coach? What are the qualities of of a good leader? What are the qualities of someone who's going to be a teacher and a guide in the world of sports? You know, I have a saying I've shared many times on this show. A good coach is a good psychologist. A bad coach needs a sports psychologist. And another saying I like to say is a good coach checks his or her ego at the door. It's not about the coach. It's about the people you're working with. But oftentimes I hear stories over and over again about coaches who seem to focus a lot on themselves and their egos and how they feel. So where do you draw the line with that? Where does your ego come into play and where is it about the kids you're coaching? So I want to get into that today. What are the qualities of a successful coach, a good coach, a good leader? One of the first words that pops into my mind is the word humility. I don't think it's about the coach. I think it's about the athletes. I think it's about the the team. It's about the people you're working with. When it becomes more about you, then I think it takes away from what's going on. Now, let's face it. Collegiate and professional coaches are in the spotlight. They are blamed when things go poorly. It's their fault. And typically when things go well, it's because of the athletes. Of course, oftentimes the athletes and the ownership, the management will give credit to the coaches. But when things go poorly, it's because the coach doesn't know what he or she is doing. I think good coaches understand the art of competition. What does it take to succeed? And how do you deal with failure, with negativity, with losing, with screwing up? So I would like to open up our phone lines this morning. And I'd like to hear from you. If you're a coach, what are some of the qualities you feel you have had that have allowed you to be successful? If you have had failures as a coach, if you have screwed up, I'd like to hear from you. I'd like to see if you're brave enough to call up and share with us what you did wrong and what you learned from that. How did that make you better? How did that help you improve as a coach, as a person? I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach. What have you learned about yourself by coaching kids, by coaching young men or women? What does it teach you about you? And what are the lessons that you have taught the people you coach that have helped them improve and succeed? Humility, as I mentioned, is a quality I think good coaches have. I think good coaches or great coaches also learn a lot about the concept of losing. And that it's part of the game. It's part of the competition. It's part of life. 
losing slash failure happens to all of us. How do we cope with it? How do we deal with it? How do we react to it? How do we move on from it? How do we grow from it? So as a coach, what are some of the qualities that you feel you have had that have allowed you to be successful? And what are some of the qualities you have had that have possibly hurt you? I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach and get your thoughts on that. If you are an athlete or have been an athlete, if you've played sports and you have had a coach who taught you or maybe screwed screwed you up, what were some of those qualities about that coach that you'd like to share with us? What were some of the good qualities that you've had that you've had with coaches or some of the bad qualities coaches have had? As I mentioned earlier, I've had several high school athletes already come into my office, three of them as a matter of fact, this past week, and share with me that they've had coaches screaming out of control at practice at them. Two are high school girls volleyball players. Why does a coach have to go out of control? Both of the young ladies shared with me the issue was effort, that the coaches didn't think these young ladies were giving out enough effort. So these coaches were screaming, both female coaches, screaming and yelling, out of control. Does that work, really? I don't think so. You know, once in a while, when people are not acting right, I get it. But when you're when you're not putting in the effort, you go ballistic like that and curse and scream and yell. I don't think that works. Maybe you do. I want to get your opinion. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week as we talk about the mental side of sports on this show. And today's topic is the issue of coaching leadership, the qualities of a coach that are good or bad. What are qualities of a coach that you've had that have made you a better person? What are some of the things a coach has taught you that have allowed you to succeed and learn how to deal with failure? What are qualities of a coach that you admire? I'd like to open up our phone lines, get some calls in here. I want to find out from you if you are an athlete, you have had a coach that you admired, you looked up to, you respected, who taught you, what were some of those qualities? What did they teach you? How did that help you? At the same time, if you've had a coach you didn't really respect very much, you didn't care for, what were some of the qualities about that coach that you didn't like? If you're a coach, what have you learned about yourself as a coach? What are some of the qualities you found out about yourself from coaching young people that have taught you to be a better person? Let's get some calls in here. Let's get some conversation going. If you're a parent and your son or daughter plays sports or has played sports and they have had a coach who has taught them some good things, what were those qualities? What were those those 
characteristics that that coach had that you think allowed your son or daughter to get better? You know, when we look at, at good coaches, I think I said earlier they need to have humility. But I also think a good coach has to be a good listener and a good communicator. You know, I shared about these three high school athletes I've seen this past week in my office, all of whom have had coaches scream and yell at them in practice. Two of them are high school girls volleyball players on different teams. Female coaches who went ballistic, screaming and yelling at these girls at practice. Both of the young ladies, separate from each other who are seeing me, have said, Dr. Jacobs, why do they have to act like that? One of them said, my coach is acting like a fool. She's screaming and yelling, made us run sprints, all because a couple girls weren't paying attention. All it did was get everybody angry at her and not want to practice even more. The whole issue of motivating athletes, the whole issue of motivating your athletes. Let's face it. Coaches have to be disciplinarians. Coaches have to push their athletes. We live in a society today where a lot of people think kids are helicoptered by parents. They're protected. They're not pushed. They're not challenged. And and to a large degree, that's correct. A lot of kids don't know what it means to work hard because they've been coddled and given so many things. But at the same time, I think the athletes who want to succeed and want to improve and want to get better are willing to do the extra work. Years ago, I worked with a college as their sports psychologist. And at this university, the women's basketball team, wonderful coach. She has moved on to coach at another school since. We had a team meeting. We had a coaches meeting first, and we decided to have a team meeting with all the athletes. We went around the room and talked. had all the athletes share how hard they thought they were working. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being low, 10 being high, most of them said anywhere between a 5 and an 8. The best girl on the team, the best young lady on the team, who went on to play in Europe, gave herself a 2. The worst young lady on the team gave herself a 10, which is almost comical. And she was serious. She said, I thought I'm giving everything I have. Well, then the coach went around afterwards and shared how she felt and said the young lady who gave herself a two, who is far and away the most talented and best player on the team, she said, you're not a two, you are a ten. She said, you come to practice every day prepared, you're here early, you stay after, you do extra things, you work on your game. She'll be in the gym at night. She would come to the gym and go in there and, and do drills on her own because she wanted to push herself, and the coaches helped her with that. The coaches were supportive. Most of the other young ladies on the team, the coach said, look, I'm just going to be honest with you. None of you were really honest about how good you are because you all think you're better than you are. I think you can be better. And she went around the room and talked with each young lady about why she felt each of them could be better. So a good coach, in my opinion, is a good communicator, and they're honest. They're straightforward. They don't have to be screamers and yellers, but they've got to be good communicators. They've got to be good listeners. A good coach is also someone who's a good psychologist. 
and is able to listen to their athletes' strengths and weaknesses, ups and downs, understand them emotionally, understand what it's going to take for those young people to improve, and work with them on that. You know, as I said earlier, you can have two athletes who are physically the same, but the one with the stronger mind is the one who's going to come out on top. I firmly believe that the mindset is the difference in success and failure in sports. You can be tremendously talented, but if your mind is not together, your mind is not focused, you don't have the right attitude, you will have much more difficulty succeeding. So I'd like to hear from you. I haven't had any calls yet. I want to get some calls in here. I want to find out from you, if you are a coach, what have you learned about yourself from coaching athletes, young or old? doesn't matter how old they are. But what have you learned about yourself as a coach? What has it taught you? What has it taught you about you as a person, about your strengths and weaknesses? What has it taught you about communication? What has it taught you about succeeding and failing, about winning and losing? How do you handle it? How do you handle yourself when your team doesn't perform well? You're the role model. You're the guide. You're the mentor. You're the leader. It has to start with you. So what have you learned when your team does well? What have you learned about yourself when your team doesn't do well? Let's get some calls in. I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach. I'd like to hear from you what you think you've learned about yourself from coaching. What are some of the good qualities you have? And what are some of the negative qualities you've had? If you are an athlete, what are some of the qualities you've had from a coach? You have seen from a coach that have allowed you to succeed and get better. What are some of the qualities you've seen in coaches that you haven't liked and that have made you not want to work hard, not want to push yourself? I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach. I'd like to hear from you if you're an athlete. I'd like to hear from you if you're a parent. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Give me a call and let's talk. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm upon my flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week discussing the mental side of sports. And today's topic is this issue, the qualities of a coach. What are the qualities of a coach that you have had that have allowed you to be successful? What are the qualities of a coach that aren't so good? I've shared earlier in the show about three high school athletes I've seen this week, two young ladies, both volleyball players, who've had coaches scream and yell at them in practice. One just spewing curse words and really hostile at the girls because she didn't like the effort they were putting out. And this young lady told me, says, Dr. Jacobs, 
it doesn't work. It just made us worse. Listening to her make a fool of herself, scream and yell, and then make us run sprints didn't accomplish anything. I said, well, has she ever sat down and talked with you guys as a team? She goes, at the beginning of our first practice, she did. And then basically we start practice. She starts telling us what we're going to do. And then as soon as somebody screws up, she gets mad at everybody. And she said, quite frankly, and this young lady is a four over 4-0 student. She said, it doesn't do me any good. I, I, I really don't even want to play when I've got somebody screaming and yelling at, at the team like that. I said, well, why don't you have a conversation with the coach about it? She goes, she won't talk to us individually. She refuses to speak, spend time with us individually. All right. When it comes to communication, and you're a coach, you have to spend time communicating. You have to spend time communicating with your athletes. You need to get to understand them. You need to get to know them. A good coach, as I said earlier, is a good psychologist. I want to open up our phone lines. I said, no one's called in yet today. I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach. What do you think qualities that you have had that have allowed you to be successful are? What do you feel qualities you have displayed or exhibited that haven't been so good, that have caused you to fail? Have you learned from them? Have you grown from them? Have that made? Have those made you better? Let's get some calls in here. I want to get a discussion going with you and see what you have to say. If you're a coach... What are qualities that you have had that have allowed you to succeed? Or at the same time, what have been some qualities that maybe have caused you to screw up and have you learned from that? Have, that, have those made you better? If you're an athlete and you have had a coach you didn't like, why didn't you like them? If you've had a coach you really admired, why did you like that person? What did they teach you? As I said earlier, a good coach has to be a good communicator and literally has to be a good listener. I think successful coaches take the time to listen, to read their team, to understand their athletes, and to understand what motivates each of them. All right, let's go to the phones. We have our first caller today. Let's see what Tom has to say. Tom, good morning, sir. Thanks for calling in. Good morning. Um, I've coached high school for 26 years, and the coaches I've played under in high school, there's only one out of about the 15 or so I had that I didn't care for, but the rest of them influenced me in many ways. Um, as you said, a, a coach is a, definitely a psychologist for each player because every player is a little different. But the thing that I have noticed in the last 15 or 20 years even, I, I don't think in high school that we should tolerate profanity used against the players or to the players or the teams. I, I feel like it's, it's been abused and it's, uh, it shouldn't even be used at the high school level. Well, then what do you think about these, like I said, two different young ladies have seen me this past week who I've been working with, both of whom had female volleyball, they're, they're volleyball players, both of them had female coaches who went berserk at a practice, both of which, because the teams weren't really putting out the effort, and just spewed profanity at the team. These are well, high school girls. And the one girl is a senior. The other girl is a sophomore. The girl is a senior. Says, Dr. Jacobs, I just I don't even listen to it. The girl's a sophomore. It just, it's, it's almost devastated her. And it wasn't about, and she hadn't done anything wrong. It was something else another girl did on the team. But this coach was just yelling at everybody, cursing at him. 
Well, any any profanity, first of all, administrators should be aware of this, and they should be fired on the spot. Is all I can say. Uh, there's no reason to use profanity at that level. Uh, we know it's uh, it's almost amazing that the, the kids today cuss as if it doesn't mean anything because that's just the way it is. But that doesn't mean the leader, the coach, should exhibit that behavior. I, 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 there's yelling at a, at a team or an athlete in a constructive way is part of coaching. But psychologically, as you're referring to, by the time the end of practice is over or before they go home, you need some positive strokes for these kids before they leave the locker room. All right, let, let me ask you something, Tom. So you're saying profanity shouldn't be used. Okay, and, and I agree with you. I don't think there's a place for that by coaches with, with high school athletes, especially girls, but it's going to be used. So who's going to turn them in? What are they going to do? Call the, the AD and say the coach you know, cursed at me? They're not going to get fired for that. Well, it starts from the AD. You know, when you're hiring a coach, you say, if you're going to use profanity, you go to the next school. We're going to teach these kids in a constructive, respectful way. And, but, you know, again, that's – every school is different. Every well, but then when these young people – let me ask this question then. When they go on the college and the co- college coach uses profanity and they haven't heard that before, how are they going to adjust with there? Oh, that's, that's a whole different level. I mean, if you're good enough to play college, you can handle about anything. Well, I think the, the issue comes down to this. It's about respect. Okay. Exactly. And I think I think good coaches show respect. You know, are they going to lose control sometimes? Are they going to get angry? Yes. But then you calm down. Then you say, you talk about it. You talk about why you're upset. You have a discussion. Good coaches, as the earlier earlier, are good communicators, which means they're going to take the time to discuss with their athletes what's going on. Okay. So I, I I get your point, Tom. Listen, sir. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. Thank you. You have a great day. Let's see what Craig has to say. Craig, good morning, sir. How are you? Good. How are you? Okay. Get your opinion. Uh, I, I think I'm a good communicator, but some of these kids won't even talk to you for you to communicate with them. You don't even know what's going on in, the, in their head sometimes. So how do you try to get to them then? What do you do? I, I, that's a good question. I mean, I've been trying to figure that out to, to figure out what motivates them. I mean, I kind of understand about the volleyball coaches because you're a coach and you're devoting your time and effort, and then the kids are not giving that back to you. That would make a coach want to, you know, flip out. You know, you probably shouldn't curse, but I could see how it could it could get to that level if it's if it's repeated. All right, let me. What do you coach, Craig? High school football. Okay. Uh, varsity, JV, freshman, what are all? Varsity. Okay. We're going to go to a break here in a few minutes. I want I want to continue with. I'd like to work with you on this for the rest of the show. Okay. I want us to talk about this because you're bringing up a topic that I guarantee you. A number of coaches who are listening right now have. How do you get through to some kids? Okay, so we're going to talk about this. We're going to come up with a game plan here for you to try to work on that and see if it works. Because I think, because okay. this, this is an issue, and we've got plenty of time left for our first break here in this conversation. So, so tell me what the frustration is that you've got. Let's start with that. That, I mean, you might see a kid that's not putting 100% effort, and you'll, you know, you'll ask them, you know, what's the problem, and they They'll either lie and say, I don't have a problem, even though as a coach you can see that they're clearly – they're not as good as they could be. And maybe the kid doesn't know how to be that that good, but 
you know, they'll they'll answer you. They'll answer you, I guess, just to get you off their back or something like that. And it's kind of frustrating because you know the potential. And it's multiple kids, though. So, okay. So, so let me let's let's go with this. At the beginning of the season, do you have your kids, everyone on your team? Write down, I always encourage people to do this, write down five things about themselves. Their goals, strengths, weaknesses, fears, and distractions. Do you do anything like that? I haven't done anything like that. Okay, I would encourage you, and I know, if, I, I, I'm assuming you've probably played at least one game so far, right? Yeah, right. Okay. I would encourage, so the season's still just the beginning, I would encourage you to have a, a team practice where they don't put on any pads, and today... At this practice, you have them have give everybody those lists and have everybody write out their their goals, strengths, weaknesses, fears, and distractions. Okay, and okay. then then you take the time with your assistant coaches to go over what they wrote down, and then you spend some time with each of those young men and go over their lists and understand what they're about. How many kids do you have on your team? Uh, maybe forty. Okay, so that's not that many. So there, you've got time to do. You've got how many assistant coaches do you have? Ten. Okay, so there's there's you, each each coach can take four kids. All right, we're going to go to our break here, Craig. We're going to continue this conversation, but I want I want you to think about that for a second over the break, and we're going to come back and continue our conversation. Okay. 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 You hold on. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and we're on the flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week. We talk about the mental side of sports on this show, and as I shared at the top of the show, I will be beginning my 38th year working as a sports psychologist this week. Hard to believe it's been this long, but I have enjoyed what I do because I like helping people. I've been on the radio for 27 years here in the Kansas City area. Now our show's going national. And today's topic is this, the, the role of a coach, qualities of a good coach, qualities of a bad coach. And we have a high school football coach named Craig who's on the line with us who has uh, been brave enough to call in and actually sort of be a little bit of a guinea pig in our show today so we can talk with him about maybe helping him deal with the athletes. And so, Craig, you mentioned we talked during the commercial break. This is your first year as a head coach. No, assistant coach. Assistant coach, okay. And, but first year as an assistant coach at, with this team. At, at, at with this team. school. Yeah, yeah, with a specific team. Okay, so you're trying to get to know these kids. You're trying to get to understand them. We talked before the break about I think it would be a good idea for you guys to have a practice where you have all 40 kids write out their goals, strengths, weaknesses, fears, and distractions. Have, give them a piece of paper with those lists on them and ask them to write them out. And then – Sit down, and each coach, you said there are 10 coaches, so each coach could take four kids and sit down with each of these kids and try to talk about those things. Understand, what do you think you could learn from the kids by doing that? Uh, just, I guess what gets them going, you know, what they don't like, you know, as far as how the team is going, you know, how to approach them. I think the two the two the two lists of those five that I think maybe the most important are goals and fears. Okay, assuming these kids are honest 
Okay, you're going to have fears, fear of success, fear of failure, fear of letting people down, uh, expectation, not let it, living up to others' expectations, not feeling like they're good enough, things like that. I'm sure you've heard those things before as a coach, right? Yeah. So the expectation issue is a big one, you know, letting people down. As a coach, then how do you help kids work through that? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I guess just keep talking to them and, and letting them know that it's going to be okay. We we had a kid Friday night. He he, he played D line, so he wasn't he, he wasn't one of my kids per se. But the coach asked him to go in the game, and he said he didn't want to go in because he he said I'm scared I'm going to mess up. Aha! Uh-huh. Like, there we go. There we go. That's what we we're saying. That's how you learn is by messing up. Okay. Why? What was? Why was he afraid of messing up? That's, I don't know. I didn't get a chance. To, we did. It was happening during the game, so we never got a chance to uh, address the issue. I guess it was a, fail, a fear of letting the team down. But we were winning the whole game, so it wasn't like him messing up was going to lose the game. I mean, we were clearly dominating the game. So I, I, maybe he was scared the coach was going to yell at him. I could. I don't know. That's a good question. Fear the coach is going to yell at him. Fear his parents may get angry at him. Fear he's going to embarrass himself. Whatever it might be. See, that's maybe. a perfect. There you go. That's a perfect example right there for you or, or the, the position coach, D-line, the position coach, to be a psychologist. And sit down with this young man and say, okay, what were you afraid of, son? What was the, what, what, why were you afraid of messing up? And try to get him to express that. And then try to get him, like you just said, you're going to learn from that. You just, you just mentioned that right off the bat. But you need to get him to understand it. He may be afraid his dad's going to scream at him, is he's going to embarrass himself. The girl he's going out with after the game is going to make fun of him. I mean, who knows what it might be, right? Right. So unless you sit down and talk with him as a psychologist, as a coach, you're not going to know. And then how does he learn from that? When he So so did he go in the game or did he not go in the game? I think he might have went in the game, but I have to, I have to check the film and see if he went in or Okay, not. but he was probably scared to death out there on the field. Probably. Okay, so then, of course, if that's the case, then he's not going to play well. And then the coach might get angry at him because he's not trying. Right. So so you see where I'm going with this? Yeah. Where? Tell me. What do you think I'm trying to get at here? That he, I mean, he has to get over that fear. We have to figure out a way for him to get over the fear and turn that fear maybe into, into confidence. Exactly. Exactly. And that's where, when I said a good coach is a good psychologist, that's where that happens. Now, what do you see... As the as the reasons why kids are on the team, I think I, I, some of them. I think they really want to they want to play and do well and help the program. And some, I think, just want to wear a uniform. But it's it's hard to figure out which ones which ones are which because we have a lot of young kids, we have a lot of sophomores, we have quite a few freshmen. So I, in my mind, I think everybody wants to be out there, and I'm still trying to figure out which ones. Just want to be out there on Friday nights, and which ones really like the game and want to play. And I guess I could just ask, I could ask them, like you say, write it down. But how many are telling the truth? Well, the only way you're going to find that out, you have them write that stuff down, and then you sit down and talk about those lists with them. See, you have them write stuff down forces them to think. Okay, it's going to make them think. Now, some of them may not be honest, obviously, but when you sit down and talk to them about it, you're going to be able to figure that out. Yeah. Right. Okay, yeah. so then you can try to find motivational tactics and tools with each each young man to help get them to get better. I mean, if they're on the team, they're taking the time to be there. Now, they may be there because they want to pursue 
football past college, past high school into college. They may be there because they just want to be part of a team. They may be there because they their parents are making them do it. Who knows? Their friends are on the team, whatever it might be. But you've got to try to get everybody to get on the same page the best you can. And that's where you guys as coaches need to be together on this. Do you think the the other nine the other nine coaches would would agree with what we're talking about here? Definitely. Okay. So I think that the suggestion I'm making to you is this. Get get your uh, peers, your other coaches, to sit down, have a meeting with them, talk about what we've talked about here on the radio today. Have your athletes take a practice and do this, write these lists out, and take some time to actually talk with them. You know, you spend all this time on fundamentals and on techniques, but how much time do you spend on the mind? I, I don't know how much the other coaches do, but, you know, since listening to your show, I try to do do a little bit more talking, but... When I do talk to them, you don't. We don't. I don't get much feedback when when we do talk. But I. Well, is that? Excuse me. Before I let you go, is that because you're talking at them or talking with them? I might be talking at them. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Okay. Get them to talk with you, Craig. Okay. Get them to work with you. Okay. I mean, yeah. There are times you have to talk at them. There's no question about that. But if you really want to get a message across, let them be part of what's going on. High school kids don't like being talked at all the time. They're talked at in class all day long. Okay, teachers talk at them all day long. They want a coach who's going to work with them. If you work with them and make them part of the process, I can almost assure you, you will get something out of this that's going to make you a better coach, and these kids will respond better to you as as a coach. Okay. All right, sir. Look, I want you to give me a call back next week, and I want to see how this worked. Okay? Okay, I'm... I'm Giving them a list on Monday. At least I'm going to see how it works out. Okay. I want you to give me a call. Any questions, give me a call at my office. But I want you to call the show back next week and let's see what happened. Okay? You said, you said goals, fears. Goals, strengths, weaknesses, fears, distractions. Okay. I think I can remember that. Okay. All right. Give me All a call right, back you. next week, sir. Listen, good luck. I'm glad you called in. I'm glad you took the time to sort of be a, guinea, a little bit of a guinea pig here on the show and let me work with you on this and let's see what happens. No problem. Thank you. Okay. Have a great week. Thanks for your call. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week. We talk about the mental side of sports on this show on the Sports Psychology Hour. I hope you've enjoyed the show. And I'll be interested to see what Craig has to say next week because here's a perfect example of a coach who wants to get better, who wants to learn, who wants to improve who he is as a person. So let's hope these suggestions I just gave him will help out his team and help him out. There are a lot of ways to reach me. You can always call me at my office. That number is 816 816- 561-5556-816-561-5556. Our shows are podcasted here at Sports Radio 810 WHB and also on my website at winnersunlimited.com. You can send me an email at drj at winnersunlimited.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at, at drj sports psych at drj s-p-r-t-p-s-y-c-h. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs here every week talking with you about the mental side of sports. Hope you have a great week. Be back next week with a new topic. And I'll be anxious to hear what Craig has to say, how his high school football team has maybe gotten a little bit better by working on their mental aspect. Have a great week. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com.